Hey, there it is. <laughs> All right. I love when you get that 30 seconds of, uh, <clears throat> hey, you're connected, but no video. <laughs> yeah. That's what they like to do. It's always great. They make you sweat just for that extra couple of seconds. Is this going to work? I don't know. Maybe I'm bankrupt now. Welcome to Talking Heads, everyone. Episode 210. Your once weekly live show for the latest in beer and tech news. I'm Jeff. And I'm Rhett. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us on this Wednesday night or in podcast form over on Anchor.fm or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. If you've never seen the show before, we talk beer, we talk tech, we talk games, pop culture, entertainment, usually some Star Trek. All Super Chats are read on the air, so long as they will not permanently demonetize my channel. We do drink alcohol on the show, and if you are drinking along with us, alcoholic or not, let us know in the chat and we'll give some early show shoutouts as we go along. And last but not least, if you like the content you see on this channel and want to help support us in what we do, consider joining the Patreon. Link is down in the video description. As a bonus, you'll get exclusive access to the Discord server, where you can chat with myself, John, Rhett, Steve, all the hosts from Talking Heads, and take part in the awesome community that hangs out over there. All that and more, baby. All that Come and join more. us. I can't believe how lit the Discord chat is tonight. It is off the rails, Jeff. <laughs> Is it? I haven't been on there today. <laughs> it is on. Awesome. Awesome. I was on there earlier today. Uh, usually I'm a lot more active than I am right now in Discord. Uh, my wife and I are kind of on pins and needles. My wife is 38 weeks pregnant. Uh, so we're kind of at that literally any hour, any day kind of life. And not to put very much information out there but there's been a little bit of like sign and movement and whatnot and so we actually sent the kids to the in-laws the other day uh for the night and it's like oh and then everything stopped okay i guess we'll bring him back home try it again later yep. so actually yeah it, it's been like pins and needles for three or four days now and oh yeah i mean <laughs> not guys, due till we the down. third it, things are so real that uh, there was a brief moment in time today where where John and I thought we might be having the John and Rhett show 2.0. Right. Um, but we're not. We're here. I'm here. We're kicking I'm here. it. I'm, I'm here until, <laughs> until I get called away. <laughs> uh, but it is good to be here. How you doing, Rhett? How was your week? Jeff, I'm doing so good. I'm on top of the world. Good. I'm feeling great today. Um. Just this week has just been a week of wins nice. for Red. You know what I'm saying? Just nonstop. Yeah, yeah. It's like Christmas comes early. Yeah. To to old Red over here. So nice. Last week was that week for me. Like, uh, so October was a terrible month on the channel. I I didn't get very many videos published. There was so much going on personally, professionally, everything. It's just like. And, and making videos just happened to be like not one of the things that was able to happen very often. Uh, so I think I only did three videos and then the four podcasts. So it was really a down month. Uh, this month I've already put out four videos and three of them were bangers, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like my last six videos, I think I, uh, YouTube gives you a rating uh, against your last 10 videos. And it'll say, this video is doing like seventh out of your last 10. It's like, oh, well, that sucks. Uh, my videos, the last six have been one, four, one, one, two. So it's like, mm. <laughs> Just slapping them all Hitting down. It. 
get it son yeah so mm. yeah it's been uh we've been rolling it at yeah. craft studios <laughs> we've just been knocking them out jeff tees them up i spike him in or vice versa i don't know how that would work with us yeah I'm not, maybe you're the spiker <laughs> i i i, I if it's two man, if it's two man volleyball, I think I bump, you set, I spike. There we go. Yeah, yeah. like this. So, okay, yeah. I like that because then you're yeah. Okay, that's a good one. Yeah, because that's kind of how it works. Is I I do the initial work. Like I'm going to set it up for you, Rhett. Your job mm -hmm. is to make it so I can slam it. <laughs> oh yeah. So and I just put it right in there. Right. Not only that, it does help. You're taller than me. Just to take this volleyball metaphor uh, to the next level, <laughs> he also looks better shirtless, guys. So. Not he's up there he's greased up oiled up rather not greased up i mean and he's just well, coming down oh, wait what day is oh. it <laughs> guess it does depend on the day, it does depend on the day. <laughs> is this a weekend or when are we playing volleyball it's like a top gun thing i don't know the league game. yeah dude exactly <laughs> boys at play kenny Loggins just shredding in the background oh you're right Anyway, that's the Can type of week so? I've been having. <laughs> oh, welcome to the show, everyone. And a special good day over to Kren. Thank you for the five mm. Aussie dollars. Or as Rhett would say. No, not doing it. <sighs> well, fine. Now you leave. ruined it. Yeah, I didn't ruin anything. Gosh. Good eye over there. There you go. Videos are like AOL CDs. The more you put out, the better numbers you have to <laughs> they have to be. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, says the net guy. By the way, go subscribe to Net Guy. Does some great stuff and plays a mean Oregon Trail. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, uh, I'm I'm doing pretty good. Uh, let's see. Bird is asking me how I'm doing. I'm doing doing pretty well. A little tired. Little little cranky today. I wasn't not gonna lie about it, but uh, yeah, still getting stuff done. Still. Uh, I've got another video possibly ready to roll tomorrow. So, so Rhett, be at, be at the ready. Oh, so man. Serve is coming. So what? I can't get drunk tonight, Jeff? I'm not. I'm not that kind of boss. <laughs> Next video is just garbage. <laughs> I don't even care if you drink while you're editing. Like, <laughs> I usually do. Sometimes I the, see the problem is, is that I, I, I got in the habit of doing that occasionally, but as you know, maybe not everybody knows this, but I, I tend to edit the videos late at night. Uh, then I got to wake up early in the morning and it's like, I don't know, sometimes that extra beer that I have when I'm editing videos, it yeah. just does not make it easy to get up. I, so. I fully relate to that. Having done this solo for almost four years until mm -hmm. I, I finally brought you on. But uh, yeah, so solo editing videos that, you know, starting at 10 p.m. and going to like yeah. 1.30 or 2. And then you got to wake up at 6 and go to work. <laughs> yeah. So I, I lived that. Like, I, I fully understand. That's true. If anybody would know, I mean, Jeff, God, do you know how hard it is? To... <laughs> <laughs> I have a full-time job, one kid. I, mean, yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> classic oh. oh i'm like a young jeff everybody <laughs> yeah <laughs> look how naive he is <laughs> oh well thank you for coming to the show everyone as we do every wednesday let's talk some tech but before we do that 
Let's open a beer. Rhett, what do you got lined up for tonight? Mm. I got a local brewery on standby. It is Silver Falls Brewery, and I have their Starry Night Stout. This is a delicious and delightful stout. Here they say our Starry Night Stout is dark as night with a bold malts uh, complexity and a hint of sweetness. Roasted, malty. They used a font I can't read, so I'm not even going to try, but (laughs) it is delicious. It's drinkable. It's it's kind of like a medium body dark beer, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's definitely a fall beer. Uh, you get well. We'll see. I'm going to open it up and I'll tell you what kind of notes we get uh, as we start drinking it. Awesome. Uh, me, I've got. Uh, I feel like John in an average March because I'm suddenly only like I on Wednesdays I like to have a couple of beers. Uh, and usually, you know, seven, eight percent, but I'm kind of relegating myself down to uh, like some low fives. So some low ABV stuff, not quite light beer, but very, very close to it. Uh, so I've got a couple from Rogue here over in Newport, Oregon. Uh, I have not had one of these before, and one of them is a is a real great classic of theirs. Uh, I'm going to start with the new one, though. This is the Rogue Jam Session uh, with one heck of a sweet bit of can art on it saw that yeah uh so this is just an ipa uh five and a half percent but it is uh or sorry it's a blondale uh not an ipa uh blondale that is uh brewed with strawberries that just sounds delightful yeah and like i said only five and a half percent so And while I'm pouring this beer, all of you can head on over to craftcomputing.store and get yourself a matching pint glass. Because we do sell them over there. And I have to say, they're very nice glasses. All right. Let's get into the show. Even though I didn't give any shout outs. But I think we we chatted enough. <laughs> We're already into the show late enough. Did you yeah. see any any of note? Let me let me look. Here. Uh, we got uh, a whiskey sour from Shien Shinra. Nice. We've got uh, Campanology Brewing, the Tiramisu Pastry Sour, eight percent from Jason Budney, seventy six. Well, well, you know now now I got to rewind a little bit because there's some big stuff coming out. Uh, Hops and Brews of John Fame uh, has a Hopworks Bourbon Barrel Abominable. Uh, Novella Hub has a Dogfish Head uh, Fort Raspberry Strong Ale, eighteen percent. Wow, is that it? Eighteen <laughs> percent. Yeah. Uh, Williams got a Badger Hill Brewing Badger Snack Peanut Butter Stout, six point three percent. I like that. Uh, let's see. Magic has some Noble Oak Bourbon tonight. Uh, Skull is drinking a 64-ounce growler from Fox Brewing, vanilla and almond bra- uh, vanilla and almond oatmeal brown ale. That sounds quite good. That does sound good. Yeah. See, lots of fall beers out there. I'm glad I could, uh, could join up here. Fall is some of the best time of year to be into craft beer because not only do a lot of, 
like the fall, like the stouts come back and, and a lot of the specialty stuff gets released around this time of year. But in Oregon, it's also harvest time for the hops. And being one of the largest hop growers on the planet, uh, it just smells wonderful around here right now. Yep. Yep. Oh, yeah. I grew up in the hop fields, mm -hmm. so always of that smell. They grew them all over my neck of the woods. All right. Well, like I said, let's go ahead and get into the tech, starting with uh, some more competition might be coming sooner rather than later to the GPU space. And I'm not talking about Intel. I'm talking about <laughs> a Chinese startup called InnoSilicon Technology. Uh, they have announced their very first GPU. Uh, now, if you've never heard of InnoSilicon before, I'm not really surprised. Uh, they do a lot of... Um, custom-made silicon, a lot of uh, PCB integrations, that kind of thing. Uh, but they recently started diving into uh, the mining craze, uh, specifically producing ASIC miners for mining Bitcoin and Ethereum and things like that. So purpose-built mining hardware, not based on GPUs. Uh, but the GPU mining craze itself, plus the, the rising of... Uh, AI, machine learning, uh, big data, uh, that has really got them intrigued. And they said, well, if we can build an ASIC miner, why can't we build a GPU? And so <clears throat> that's pretty much what they've done. Uh, introducing the Fenghua, or Fenghua, uh, number one server level GPU. That is the official name, the Fenghua number one. Wow. So far, we're off to a good start with a good... Uh naming <laughs> paradigm here. Yes. Uh, so they said uh, it has successfully been tested and, quote, achieved breakthroughs in domestic high-performance graphics in data centers, end quote. Uh, what that means is it's the best homegrown Chinese GPU that's ever been manufactured. Now, there's a number of different uh, silicon manufacturers that are in China that do make GPUs that you probably don't know of, at least by first name because the majority of them make products for ARM or discrete devices of some kind. Uh, they're not really going after high performance, high wattage graphics. It's a lot of two and five watt solutions. Wasn't there a few weeks ago, a story about another Chinese company coming out mm -hmm. with a GPU? I don't remember the name of that company, but this is a different company from that. So, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, and this is the first one that's actually announced. They have a product coming to market. Now, right. there's a couple things notably missing from this list, and that is exact specifications. But without a deep dive into the architecture, specifications are going to be nothing. It could run at 800 megahertz, but if it has 20,000 compute units on it, it's probably going to be good. Uh, and vice versa, if it runs at you know 4.2 gigahertz, world's fastest GPU, but only seven cores. Yeah. And, you know, so specs mean nothing without comparable data points. And we won't have any of that until A, we know what architecture it's on and B, we actually are able to test it. Yeah. Uh, but there are some notable inclusions in its spec list. Uh, first and foremost, it is officially running on PCI Express 4.0 lanes, uh, compatible with HDMI 2.1 and eDisplay port 1.4 specifications. So the latest specifications for both HDMI and DisplayPort. Uh, 
there's another interesting tidbit in here as well. And that's that the card comes with GDDR6X memory, the same stuff that NVIDIA uses on the RTX 3080 and 3090. Uh, that is important because this is the first time GDDR6X memory has been seen outside of an NVIDIA card. Uh, up until this point, there have been no other consumer or otherwise uh, devices to come out featuring GDDR6X. So kind of interesting seeing a, a third-party company even get on board before AMD. Now, AMD does have both HBM, HBM2, as well as GDDR6, but not the higher class variant in the X version. Uh, so definitely going to have memory bandwidth for days. We have no idea what the TDP is going to be or anything like that. But this isn't necessarily a gaming card, even though technically it will be uh, compatible with all of the regular standards, including DirectX. But we've got OpenGL, OpenGLES, OpenCL, Vulkan, DirectX, etc. This will technically play games. How good will it be? Probably not that great because it's a new architecture. It's there's no there's no software or drivers being written with this in mind and so you'd it'd be the equivalent of brute forcing an application to run without any optimizations uh but it's nice to see another party get involved yeah diversify up the marketplace add some competition mm -hmm maybe ease up on some of these supply issues that we've been dealing with now for ever. <laughs> Who knows? Right. Could be good things. With competition, the consumer almost always wins. Now, are any of you ever going to have one of these? Probably not. Uh, like I said, these are being marketed specifically for server, AI, big data uh, applications. Uh, and these aren't necessarily going to be gaming cards. But what we do know is oftentimes server-based devices and technologies do trickle their way down into the consumer marketplace eventually. So it's conceivable that within a couple of years, maybe we're starting, we'll start to see some InnoSilicon tech uh, hitting the consumer market. And and again, I've, I've made this argument for a long time with with AMD, uh, because remember when I started the channel back in 2017, AMD had just released Ryzen. Uh, yep. They had they'd been the punching bag in the GPU space for a couple of years, and the punching bag in the CPU space for almost five. And I always said it's important for AMD to stay around because even if you're just competitive at the bottom you're still competitive at the bottom. There, there's consumer choice down there. And that does help open up the marketplace, especially at the entry level. So I'm not saying InnoSilicon is going to come out and throw down a hammer and be twice as fast as the 3090. But at the same time, man, if they can provide a little reprieve for the people waiting in line for an RTX 3050 Ti, that's a win. That's a win for the right. consumer. Right, exactly. And... You don't have to compete with NVIDIA on every level of the market right. in order to be successful, right. you know? Kia doesn't compete with Ferrari, yet they're both cars. And Kia sells more. 
I was going to say, <laughs> arguably, Kia makes more money. Pro- well, do they make more money? I should have said they sell more cars. Who knows if they make more money? <clears throat> but yeah, you know, just because you're in happens. the same market doesn't mean you have to directly compete with each other in every single market category. Right. So exactly. Well, good luck to them. Hopefully uh, we get to read some more of those stories here uh, about them in the coming weeks, months, years. Should be interesting to see. All right. Uh, You know what? I'm going to do the sponsor spot just a a couple of minutes early here because the next story I think is going to have some legs. And what I don't want it to do is we end up talking about this for literally an hour and uh, not get to the sponsor spot. (laughs) so not saying that i'm forgetful but uh gosh darn it sometimes anyway you got other things on your mind i do have other things on my mind today's episode is brought to you by linode if you've ever wanted to host your own servers whether it be for home or business use but don't have the resources or time to invest into hardware power cooling or even space Why not let Linode host them for you? If it runs on Linux, it'll run on Linode. That includes the software from most of the tutorials on my channel, like how to run your own ad-blocking recursive DNS server, VPN gateway, your own cloud-based Plex server, and more. With shared CPU plans starting at as little as $5 per month and scaling up to as high as you need to go, you'll be able to find a hosting plan that fits your needs. And even if you do host your own servers, you can use Linode to keep a backup off-site. Because remember, RAID is not a backup. Linode also recently announced that they are the first alternative cloud provider to have NVMe block storage available to all customers. In September, they began rolling out NVMe drives to all 11 of their global data centers. Best of all, storage rates will remain at the same low price they always have been. Visit linode.com craftcomputing and get a $100 60-day credit just for signing up for a new account. That's linode.com craftcomputing and thanks again to Linode for sponsoring today's episode. Thank you, Linode. Thank you, Linode. Uh, Linode cured my Lyme disease. <laughs> These statements have not been evaluated by the FCC. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it wasn't <laughs> Linode. But I, sub- <laughs> I subscribed to Linode services right as I got better. So, you know, yep. could have been Linode. You never know. <laughs> No, if you have symptoms of Lyme disease, you should go to a doctor. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, stop rolling around with deer. And <laughs> check, hey. check yourself for ticks regularly. I mean. Climate change is bringing Lyme disease over here to the West Coast, Jeff. It is. There's just no stopping it. Soon we'll have to stay indoors. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Won't even be fun. (laughs) Uh, There have been... I've gotten deer in my yard a couple of times uh, where I live. Uh, And uh, the other day I did see uh, a couple of tracks going through my driveway. So... Mm. I I left my office last night late. And I mistakenly left the TV on in my downstairs. I went to go turn it off. And in the darkness, it looked like somebody was outside my window freaked me out so i turned on the light real quick and there's a family of deer just standing right outside my window looking in <laughs> scared the crap out of me oh man so that was fun <laughs> yeah. they're all around here i wish that the deer would you know pay some taxes and all that but 
what are you gonna do mm-hmm. they stop traffic yep all right let's get into what what should be a joyous occasion what should be a a landmark day a victory for right to repair advocates uh and from the outside looking in it might seem that way it might seem we've won this is a step in the right direction this is the the beginning of the end of the repair monopolies as far as consumer electronics specifically with apple in the crosshairs uh the day has come the day has come that i didn't think would without the forced hand of the ftc we'll talk more about that in a second uh but this morning apple has announced self-service repair that is you can direct from apple buy replacement parts tools and manuals and repair your own apple devices they are starting this rollout with the iphone 12 and iphone 13 uh with more device support to come later next year quote end quote uh and it's everything that you wanted right this is what you wanted you you wanted direct access to parts and you wanted manuals for for repair and uh yeah here you go cool right there can't be any strings attached or any any catch 22s i mean this is as good as you make it sound right jeff i'm sure i'm sure it is uh there's no way that apple a multi-billion dollar company has any ulterior motives with not none whatsoever i trust them implicitly i trust them implicitly right i leave a spot at my thanksgiving table for the ghost of steve jobs (laughs) (laughs) i had a thought and then it was <laughs> um so Apple Apple's the good guy, right? Yay Apple. Yay Apple. I'm yep, they all are. I'm not here to say that. Uh I watched a, a couple of people got videos out right away. Uh uh MKBHD got a video out today, uh basically going over the uh his thoughts and and he thought it was a great a great thing and a, a great move for Apple to make. I've been in this yeah. business a long time. <laughs> I've been in the, specifically in dealing with Apple on the repair side of things. Uh, I was an Apple certified tech for a couple of years. In, no. Independently. I didn't wow. work for Apple. I was an Apple independent tech where You're I like had- like Han Solo. Like you left the empire to join the rebellion. Um, I I had, I, I was the, the trained personnel at my organization that had a certification from Apple that said, I can work on iMacs and MacBook Pros and, and things like that. This is all the way back in 2010, 2011, uh, where I was the license holder for my organization. I had training. I went through a couple of weeks of, hey, can you follow a user manual? And in that repair training thing to become an authorized service center or even be able to repair devices that you yourself own as an organization. Um, uh, I, I think at one point our organization owned not Apple devices specifically, but client facing devices, somewhere around 5,500 client facing devices. Um, 
it's nice to be able to repair your own crap. And Apple made that exceedingly difficult at every single turn. And for a single license for myself, it was $300 to be a annually, 300 annually to tell Apple, yes, I can still work a screwdriver. I fix it. Never heard of them. <laughs> right? Um, so I've been through this song and dance before. I've, I've seen this. I've, I've lived this. Um, the FTC has been pushing for right to repair for the last year or so. Uh, we've got Louis Rossman, who has basically gone full-time as a lobbyist and advocate for right to repair, uh, trying to get it on the ballot in uh, Massachusetts, I want to say, uh, for a, a right to repair legislation that he's hoping to eventually become nationwide <clears throat> law as far as what companies are required to do when they manufacture a product that allows it to be repaired in the future. Right. Uh, Apple right here has, number one, done the absolute bare minimum they possibly could. Uh, it's not overly difficult to slap a label onto a part and sell a part, to sell a screen, to sell a, a, a camera, to sell uh, a touch digitizer, to sell a replacement ribbon cable, or a haptic uh, motor, or a speaker, or whatever. They're parts. You have literally bins and bins full of them. They don't even need to be in nice packaging. You could send them in the anti-static bags they come in, put it into a cardboard box, label it iPhone 13 XL replacement digitizer and, and LCD. You have a part and you can sell that part. We're not talking global logistics here. We're, we're talking selling parts. Uh, Apple has said that the initial phase of, of planned rollouts uh, will focus on the most commonly serviced modules, such as the iPhone display, battery, and camera. Uh, and inside of that, that's actually almost 200 parts. Now, that's parts, tools, and manuals. So who knows how much of that is actually parts. But they're not saying they'll sell you a logic board. They're not saying they'll sell you a haptic engine. They're not saying they'll sell you any other parts. They're also not saying they're going to allow you to do any kind of board level repair. They're not saying they're going to provide schematic data. They're not saying they're going to provide actual engineering documentation, blueprints, layouts for how to do this. They're saying we still live in a, you know, it dies and you replace it in a throwaway society. It's just, we'll let you throw the screen away now instead of the whole damn phone. Uh, so, while yes, this is a great move, this move also kind of preempts the FTC and possibly a way to sideline it saying, no, 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 look, we allow independent repair. You, you can go to any Apple store and buy an LCD screen. Now, the LCD screen comes with a core charge. That's the other thing, is just like, you know, rebuilding a carburetor uh, or, or buying a new alternator or a new battery even, 
your car parts come with what's called a core charge, which means they'll put a 30% markup on the part at time of purchase. And then when you bring the old one back, you'll get a 30% recycling fee refunded. It's a glorified, to it's a glorified deposit like you got on your beer cans. Right. Well, we do anyway. Um, oh, yeah. Not everyone's <laughs> like us, Rhett. I guess the rest of the world just hates the environment. That's a dime right there. <laughs> Ten of those bad boys and you're one-fifth of the way to another beer. That's right. Yeah. So, the cynic in me already sees through some of this. The cynic in me already sees Apple's trying to say, there's no need for legislation. Look, we sell screens. Oh, is this, this is, this is right. Okay. It feels like that. And then you know what else? Like, maybe this is just me. So like, tell me if I'm just super paranoid about this. Right. But like, we're in the midst of like a national wage shortage. You know, people can't hire workers for a price that's fair to workers. And all of a sudden Apple's like, ah, yeah, batteries, screens, all this stuff that we'd have to pay somebody to do. And suddenly you could pay us for the privilege of doing it yourself. Did you know Apple hardly does any in-store repair? Like there's a couple of things that they're authorized to do. But if you bring in an iPhone with a broken screen, they will just back up your data, hand you a new phone, and then send that one back to wherever, probably the same place it's assembled, and pay someone 30 cents an hour to put it back together. Yeah, they'll back up your data, spread around your photos, around their uh, And then workers. sell it as a, as a certified refurbished device for like three-fifths of retail. And so for a $1,000 phone, you're still going to be paying six to $700 because someone broke a screen on it at one point. They've figured out how to keep, right? It, it, they figured out how to keep as much money locked up in their mm -hmm. little ecosystem as possible. It reminds me of like the old company towns you'd hear about where like oh, yeah. you'd go to work in the mine, you'd earn your dollar a day. And then of course you need to buy groceries, but the only place to buy groceries is at the store owned by the mine. So you'd buy groceries there, but groceries cost a buck 25, not a dollar. Yeah. So all of a sudden, it's like, they're just, they've got everything trapped in here. Oh my God. Yeah. So now not only are they, I don't know. See, and then with the, with, with like, with like shipping the way it is too. Now that maybe it's not as easy to send that phone all the way back, you know, somewhere. So they're just like, eh, you know what? I guarantee most of them aren't repaired. I guarantee it. Um, now here's the, the other side of my brain that kicks in. Right to repair is about more than just parts availability. It's also about repairability. Mm -hmm. Nothing in Apple's literature that they published today said, we're going to make it easier to fix your phone. Nowhere does it say, we're going to start using socketed RAM modules and replaceable NVMe drives in your MacBook Pros. No. Inside of a MacBook, there's what, 30 parts? It's not that high of a list because they've soldered everything else to the dang logic board. Yeah. Nowhere in this gives the other crucial component to write to repair, which is I may be a skilled consumer, but I don't have a BGA solderer station 
to to replace a dead RAM module. Or I I see, and the big problem is this too. <clears throat> or it's a problem to me if you want to look at the whole picture, not just this one tiny part, is that companies like Apple made their entire fortune on the backs of repairability in the early days. Yeah. All of these big companies did, Microsoft included. And <clears throat> the ability of people to troubleshoot their computers, to uh, modify them as they see fit and share those ideas with other enthusiasts in the community is like really what propelled computing into the space mm -hmm. that it's in now. But then people like Steve Jobs and Apple, they're just like, well, wait a minute. So what if we take all of this progress that we made and we begin to close off ranks and circle the wagons yeah. and that's just garbage like that's i don't i don't know you know it's like okay sure i wasn't alive in the heyday of of computing in that way where you know i i, I was directly benefiting from that type of community but at the same time it's it's pretty crummy i i, ha so, I have a great example can i give you my my great example here um this is the new 13 inch so last year last year's 13 inch M1 MacBook Pro. Okay, so this is based off the Intel 13-inch MacBook Pro. Same exact shell, slightly different screw locations, M1 instead of an Intel chip. Every single component on the inside of this is soldered directly to the motherboard with the exception of the battery and the light sensor and the camera and a couple other things. Everything else, hard connection, no replacement. Okay, in 2008, 2008? Might have been 10. Might have been 2010. 2010, I bought... The late aughts. Yeah, late aughts. Maybe maybe early teens. Um, I bought my wife a 13-inch MacBook Air. It was the very first MacBook Air. It was one of the thinnest and lightest computers that had ever been made. That computer was thinner than this. Uh, same physical footprint. Same 13-inch footprint was thinner than this, especially towards the front. It was lighter than this. And it had a damn spinning drive in it. And you know what? I replaced that with an SSD with like four screws on the, on the rear of it and a ribbon cable. So don't tell me you can't make beautiful equipment and beautiful machines that look and perform as good as anything else in the market and not make them repairable. It is a conscious decision to solder everything to the board so the consumers lose. It's a conscious decision to fuse the LCD panel together so the consumers lose. And it's and it's a trend that we're seeing in not just computers, but even uh, I think that I think the trend is billionaires, right? Because mm -hmm. Tesla is the same way. Yeah. You want to repair what was the issue? We talked about this a couple months ago, where it's like there's some leak or whatever. And in order to repair this minor oh, leak, right. um, a coolant leak. Yeah, it was a coolant leak where it's literally a nipple on the end of the radiator for the battery pack cooling system um, that they won't replace the, the nipple. They won't replace the radiator. What they do is they pull your whole damn battery system out and it's $18,500. He took it to a repair shop, it was 700 bucks. And yeah. 650 of that was knowing 
that's the nipple that needs replaced. Here's how we replace it. Here's how we make sure it's going to be not only as good as factory, but better. And here's how we refill it and tell the batteries that everything's fine. We also check the voltages when we put everything in. So we'd make sure there's no dead cells before we give $700. The $650, that was a, that was a surcharge of not $18,000. Right. <laughs> right. That was like, they're like, this is the charge that we can make that isn't $18,000. Now, you still have to have the equipment to do it. It's an aluminum block radiator. And so you have to have a, 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 a TIG welder and you have oh, to, sure, you know, sure, and, and sure. You, you have to know the exact nipple that you can get so you can get it to factory spec and make sure it's not going to leak. And there's, oh, I get there's it. labor involved in it. There's know-how sure. involved in it. Why not? But Why not? That guy earned his $700. But there is no reason in the world that Tesla the OEM of these parts, the the original designer, manufacturer, marketer, etc., doesn't freaking know how to fix a radiator. Well, what do what do Tesla and Apple have in common? They both at one point were the most highly valued companies of all time in human history. Yeah. You don't become that without being an immense douche <laughs> and wanting to keep everything in-house in your ecosystem in your wallet yeah. it's garbage and people and people are in chat saying like oh yeah this is just so that they can their lawyers can go into court and testify well we offered on our website i don't understand right. like it's plausible deniability at this point you know right, right. yeah so painful i i was actually kind of a, li a little disheartened today reading some of the takes online for right to repair that this is a we've won this they read the headlines they, that's a classic example of why twitter says are you sure you don't want to read the article before, <laughs> before you, you retweet, retweet it <laughs> <laughs> but like i said i i respect the hell out of a lot of people that i saw with if, if i if i can be so bold kind of mediocre takes uh, because I don't think they holistically thought about why Apple made this decision today versus what are the ramifications of them not making the decision versus what actually is right to repair. And right to repair is more than just we'll sell you the parts, good luck, sucker. Right to repair no. is they don't use non-standard bolts to hold the wheels onto your car. Right. right to repair is you can go down to any body shop or auto shop and buy radiator fluid to put into your car. Right. And that's and and cars I think are the perfect example of right to repair mm -hmm. as it should be. You go down to the auto parts store and you're like, "Oh gosh, I'm looking for these new lugs." And they're like, "Well, are, are oh, it's okay. You're looking for metric." <laughs> like it, half the world uses metric, half the world uses imperial but everything's in the same store <laughs> and it's and it's all easy i can buy They've them got in it the all same in a nice pack right a sae on one side mm on the there other you go. <laughs> like, it's perfect and it's it's all in the same store they've got a nice little catalog to make it easy you don't have to sit there and figure it out yourself yeah you tell them what you're driving it's like come on come on not only that but the manuals that you can that you can get your hands on that dissect exactly how to do any sort of repair that you need. I've, you know, what, what, what's that big brand of, of, of like repair manual that you see everywhere? Oh, the, the haze, haze manuals, not the haze manuals. Oh God. I'm going to, I'm stupid for even bringing this up. Cause I'm going to look like an You're idiot. You're saying the car repair, repair manuals, right? Yeah. Is it haze? 
Haynes, H-A-Y-N-E-S. Haynes. Okay, screw me. <laughs> You're right. Uh, okay, that's my bad. I yes. owned an 82 Ford Escort. I know that book. <laughs> right, and if you ever had a car that's older than 20 years old, you've always had one underneath the passenger seat. You know, it's like... You always kept a toolbox in your trunk. You yep. always kept the book under the driver. No, 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 no. Here's, here's the deal. You know why those manuals were important is you had the manual or the, the, the repair guide under your passenger seat, but in your trunk, you had a 10 millimeter socket, a length of coat hanger that was just cut so, so, so invented just the right way. And like a piece of tin foil and a, and a stick of gum because there's a common fix that needs to be done 30 times in a year on that car. And this is the tool that I put together to do it. There's two bolts that come out and now I can roll my window back up again. There you go. That's why that manual is important. Right. You want to talk about the ultimate right to repair vehicle. We're looking at the Volkswagen. All right. The old mm -hmm. 1970s Volkswagen Beetles. Um, the flat yeah, window, it, not the round one. Screw you guys. Pre-73. Yeah, all you needed to fix that was a rubber band, some paper clips, chewing gum. Good to go. Everything was like the whole engine block was like three bolts. Do what you will. Uh Chilton was the other one I was thinking of, but Haynes Haynes is where my mind was at first. Something about that logo. Yeah. Yep. We do got a couple super chats and then we can go back to bashing on Apple, but uh, maybe Denvera 1G1 is going to help us out here. Max even had MXM replaceable GPUs in a mobile form factor. I had an HD 5750 popped out like a sodium. Uh, he actually had one earlier than that, too. He sent over $10 earlier than that. Oh. Uh, so thank you very much, sir. If you have symptoms Thanks, of Lyme dude. disease, grab four ounces of gin, one ounce of pure maple syrup, and a half, half to one ounce of soda water. Um, I don't know about the maple syrup, and, and that might be, although four ounces of gin, I'm in. What are what we is doing? This drink. What is this drink? Because I saw the maple syrup too, and I was like, I don't know. What is this? Some Canadian concoction here? Some Canadian Lyme, dis Lyme disease? Like, no, you want limes with that. Although, right. are you That's assuming because thinking, like, you have Lyme disease that I you don't like, need the limes? Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. I was like, is this like some sort of play on like, can't make a gin and tonic because got Lyme disease, baby. Red, are you okay? Do you smell toast? No, but I taste lime. Oh God, get me some gin. <laughs> get up this man some maple syrup and gin, stat. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so back to Apple. Um, like I said, I was... I was disappointed with a lot of the takes, especially of some big name people uh, out there today. Uh, I watched, uh, like I said, I, I watched uh, Marquis Brownlee's video on it. Um, he's one of the first videos out there and everything that he said is accurate, but his opinion was, this is a great thing that <laughs> Apple's doing. This this is this is what we've been asking for. No, this, this isn't even what I would consider a reasonable start to what we've been asking for. You, you shouldn't be asking billionaire companies for handouts about basic things like this. Right. Uh, uh, How much money do they stand to lose by letting us, by dipping into this, by letting people buy and deal and trade in these parts? Well, the by thing allowing is, this it's probably billions of dollars because rather than replacing your device every 18 to 24 months, you can keep your device going for a little bit longer. 
But how many people are going to be doing that? There's a fair... Now, I will... I'm speaking completely anecdotally. Uh, and I'm speaking a lot from personal experience here. I have a number of friends who 12 month like clockwork would get a new phone. It's October 8th. It's, it's Apple day. iPhone 12's out. Hey, guess what? iPhone 13's out, you know, and I have those friends and the last couple of years, it's like, man, you're still on the 11. Well, yeah, just this one works fine still. So there's been this mindset in the last couple of years and, and you've seen uh, some of the mobile companies kind of plateau a little bit. Um, like new customer growth is still is still going, but renewable has kind of plateaued. And mm-hmm. it's not because of repair. It's because people aren't as enthusiastic to go out and buy the latest, greatest phone. And part of it's the fault of Apple because they made the technology so ubiquitous and they made it so competitive that unless you have a true breakthrough technology, a, a, a true game-changing, you know, paradigm-shifting technology, which no one really does right now, uh, there's no incentive or no glitz and glamour to go out and buy the next thing. Uh, right now, the race is in camera tech and specifically in post-processing camera tech. So we're trying to get oh, mobile silicon. You get that magic eraser over on the Pixel, baby. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't want this bike rider in the background like of my proposal shot. Like, it's the one shot we got. Hey, take care of that. You know what? That was available starting with Photoshop uh, version CS. So Photoshop 8.0. We're on freaking 19. That's how old that feature is. And I remember when Magic Eraser, or uh, Content-Aware Fill, as Photoshop calls it, when that came out, that was freaking mind-blowing. The amount of time it saved in retouching photos. Even, not like I want to remove this thing, but I want to touch up slightly this thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not having to do it by hand anymore. Just like, hey, there's this weird feature on a bridge somewhere. There's a seagull up there. I don't want to clone tool it out. I just want to and have the computer do it. And it's freaking awesome. Uh, But that came out for PCs as a version 8.0 of Photoshop. And I remember that number because that was a game changer. That was a a piece of software that made people upgrade and stop downloading the cracked version. I had had bought Photoshop 8.0 back then. Mm -hmm. I mean, what? That was like 2007, 2000... I don't know. Gosh, maybe I'm wrong. I look like no. You're idiot. not wrong. You're not far off. You're definitely not. It was the only time I bought Photoshop. I want to say it was nine. <laughs> oh nine. I want to say oh nine for Photoshop eight. I'm just I'm just yeah. winging it here. But I thought I was going to be legendary Photoshopper, and then just never used it. <laughs> we all did. We all did. At, at one point, every middle schooler was gone. You know what? I'm going to do this for a living. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to take uh, these four pieces of clip art, a little 3D word art. Ooh, gradients. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, <laughs> shoot. Imagine how different my life could have been if I just stuck with it. I wouldn't be stuck here at Craft Computing, Jeff. I could have been somebody. <laughs> Relax, Rat. No, you couldn't. Oh, <laughs> you got me again. Uh walked right into it oh, what is your beer empty yes yes it is 
Well, it is almost nine o'clock, Jeff. It's almost nine o'clock. So, uh, seeing as how I could be called away at any moment, I'm not gonna have another beer, which is weird for me. I know. No. Right. Where did all my stuff go? Hold on. Oh, there it is. Mm. Not that this has to be weird, Jeff. You could start. Ma- oh boy, cool. there it goes. Cool. I guess he's having another beer now. Almost. <laughs> I don't know what else fell off, but uh, I was getting my thermos out, which is full of boiling water, and I'm really glad the top didn't just break all over my foot because it hit my ankle, and then the cap. Oh, I think the inside of the cap came off. There we go. Oh, so my cup broke. There you go. Dang it. Awesome. Uh, well, how are you going to drink tea now? I'm going to make some tea. So, no, there's still boiling water in there. I'm saying I'm glad it didn't leak out all over my foot. Gotcha. That would have been rather painful. Uh, on your recommendation, I picked up some uh, some Latsang uh, Sochong. Yes. Have so, you been drinking this yet? I have been. I, I've been drinking it for uh, months. Like, dude. Like, I ordered it live on the show that episode. I've been drinking it ever since. Like, this is my go-to dude. tea. It is so legit. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's Patrick Stewart's uh, favorite uh, yeah. favorite tea. So he it was going to be Picard's tea, but they were like, yeah. "No, your tea order has to be punchier." Yeah. So the writers came up with Earl Grey, and I don't know how many tea drinkers there are out there, but like Earl Grey is fine. Yeah, it's it's, it's okay. It's really not. I would rather just drink. Yeah. You know, literally anything yep. else. So we are going full bore with the full uh, French press. Oh, because you got loose leaf. Yeah. Get you. Of I got loose leaf. The heck do you think hey, I am? I buy loose leaf and then I make my own tea bags. Nice. So. I don't mess well, so do I, with. but it's usually on Halo. Oh. Hey-o. Speaking of which, my God, I'm gonna pull the pin on uh halo, halo infinite. infinite it looks so good <laughs> it looks so good uh, where did my now? i've been having a good time with uh halo the the master chief collection playing like halo reach online i, w- I went back to it a little bit it's fun yeah. and and even going back through the original campaigns and stuff it's like okay this is pretty cool yeah Yeah, uh, Reverend's over here saying that Earl Grey with bergamot or bergamot, I don't know how to say that, is fire. That's literally what Earl Grey is. It go. gives it that oiliness. Ooh. Yeah. Let that steep for a couple of minutes and uh, we'll get this There thing is going. a beer brewed uh, in Salem, Oregon by um, Gilgamesh Brewing, who I don't mind, but you'll never hear John not talk crap about Gilgamesh Brewing. Ride the walrus. See, <laughs> when I was getting my my early start in uh, content creation, uh, Gilgamesh Brewing gave me free beer all the time to talk about it. So I, you know, maybe my uh, my recollection is tainted with free beer, but I always admired their willingness to experiment, make new things, and their staple beer back then. It was called the Mamba. The Mamba was a really good beer. Their first recipe was the best, but they got dinged by the OLCC, our our, uh, sort of governing body about alcohol in Oregon, because they didn't have any hops in it, and it can't legally be a beer in Oregon 
without hops. So suddenly, it's not a distilled spirit, but it didn't qualify as an alcoholic beverage either. Right. Because rules. So they ended up putting hops in it, and it's fine. It's not as good as it used to be. But the secret recipe of the mamba was the bergamot oil Mm -hmm. or bergamot oil that you have in Earl Grey tea. And they added it to this beer. And the first recipe was amazing. Um, Now it's okay. But anyway, there you go. Yeah, I've been digging the Master Chief collection. I I went and played back through, uh, I think, the first three campaigns. Um, I didn't really get into ODST or any of the other. I didn't do Halo 4 at all, but uh, but 1, 2, and 3, I I played the crap out of those years ago. And and so I, I went back through and I played through the campaigns. That was a lot of fun. Right now, right now, like today, like I'm on Diablo 2. Nice, yeah. dude. Yeah, because the remaster. Yeah, the remaster came out. Yeah. As as much as I, here's the deal. I pre-ordered Diablo 2. Don't yell at me. I pre-ordered it's it fine. when they said local self-hosted multiplayer was still going to be a thing. And I went. And like, yeah. And like. And I went. Before Blizzard. I'm on, I'm on it. I'm, I'm I'm all for that. Then it came out. Well, no, we changed our mind. Uh, we're only going to allow Battle.net play. Uh, and, and it's an always online DRM. Now, you don't always have to be online, but you have to sign in once every 30 days. And I went, I really like DRM free. I prefer DRM free. Yeah. I kind of want to cancel my pre-order because I feel taken a little bit. Well, you, th- you think Blizzard likes DRM free, baby? Right, right. So, uh, so I, went, I feel taken just a little bit. So I, I went to refund it and I was outside the refund period. And it's like, well, screw it. I'll just, whatever. I'm not happy, but, but, and then the anti, you know, the things about Blizzard started becoming public. Uh, and who boy, I feel dirty. I feel really dirty, but they had my money like six months ago. So yeah, I feel, I, a I don't know. Dirty, I, I, I think you can come up with a lot of reasons. It's like you can support the people and the employers and everything that's going on and like still spend money there. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a complicated issue that, you know, yeah. I didn't buy Diablo two, so I don't even have to mess with it. Like, you know, screw blizzard. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I've got this safe ground here to walk, but it's like people who like still enjoy reading the Harry Potter books and stuff. You know, it's yeah. like you can't you can't judge every single one of them just because like J.K. Rowling is now kind of like an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. Um, it, it's it's one of those like part of me says in some regard you can judge the the art and not the artist. Or vice versa, you can you can judge the artist and still enjoy the art, so long as it wasn't like a Hitler painting. <laughs> you know, right. like I'm sorry, he sucks. Like just flat out, I don't care if he was the best painter ever. His paintings suck, uh, <laughs> and that goes for everyone who you know is <laughs> Hitler. Is Hitler right? <laughs> um, but while I wholeheartedly, after the fact did not want Blizzard to get a single dime from mine. Blizzard's got a lot of money from me in the past and Blizzard wasn't always the company to hate. Blizzard wasn't always the, you guys don't have phones. Uh, Blizzard used to make Starcraft and Diablo and Diablo 2 and some genuinely fantastic games. And uh, I will say this last uh, 
couple of weeks, I uh, I downloaded a uh, Devolution X, which is the fan recreated engine for Diablo and uh, and Lord of Destruction. Uh, or no, it's uh, Hellblade. Hellblade, sorry. Uh, it's the expansion mm. for Diablo. Uh, and so you can play Diablo in widescreen on a modern system with some modern conveniences. Uh, and it looks amazing. And it plays great. And it plays on anything. Like, I I installed it onto my, my Retroid Pocket 2 because you can compile it for Android and you can compile it for Windows and you can compile nice. it for Linux. And it'll run on anything and it's great and so i played diablo one for like almost three weeks like anytime i had spare time i would grab one of my handhelds and just go to town with it uh yeah and so finally uh this last week i installed diablo 2 uh the the resurrected god that's so good it is so good um i never really got into diablo 3 not not from lack of not from lack of wanting to, more just lack of time and availability because oh, yeah. I was a YouTuber at the time. I'm still a YouTuber, but I was a YouTuber with a full-time job when it was released and yep. there was no time for gaming. Uh, so, but being able to go back and re-experience Diablo 2 with Diablo 3 level graphics, it's amazing. Yeah, so for sure. I'm not, I'm not a fan of Activision Blizzard as it stands today. But well, and you know that's, what that's they not to have say in common that, with Tesla and Apple. A lot. Billion dollar companies, right. maybe. That is not it's to like say that the people who worked on it didn't do a fantastic job. So. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Well put. Yeah. No, I mean, it's still Diablo 2, you know? So. Zachary sends over a 50 piece. Thank you so much. Uh, we go into Fishy Joe's for some poplars. Uh, I would love so- I'm so down for some poplars right now. Meet you there. Try them with honey barbecue sauce. Stop. Don't waste your time. Save money with the, the, or the money saving coupon. Get a four pack. Bender trying to not get poplars. Uh, let's see. Mystic sends over $5. Sorry for the completely unrelated question. What might be the best price to performance LGA 2011 Xeon CPU and server combo? Uh, uh, if, or that I recall. Um, there are some boards right now that you can get for about 65 to $70. Uh, they are from a company called Machinist. Uh, they're tiny little boards with a single CPU socket, four memory slots, uh, a PCIe 16X and a PCIe 1X, and I think a single NVMe. They're about as bare bones as you can possibly get. Uh, but they'll run any 2011 V1 or V2, uh, CPU that you want. Uh... And recently, 2011 CPUs have drastically shot down in prices. Um, V3 has started to really come down. You can get a the 2690s I bought for the, the dual Xeon CPU build that I did a couple of weeks ago. Uh, those are like 90 bucks now. Like those CPUs like a year ago were still like $300. So things have been dropping rather quickly. Uh, 
But V1 and V2 have kind of gone through the floor. There were X58 landed themselves a couple of years ago where it's like, yeah, for like seven bucks, you can get an X5650, which is six cores and 12 threads. What more do you want? Uh, so right now you can get like a 2667 V2 for less than a hundred bucks. And that is an eight core, 16 thread with a turbo to four gigahertz. And, and I think a 140 watt TDP. Uh, so if you're looking at the combo between those, you're at like $140 for some pretty serious performance when it comes to Ivy Bridge chips. Now, your money would still probably be better spent going for a first generation Ryzen if your focus is about whether it be single or multi-threaded performance. Your, your money is probably better spent there because a Ryzen 1600X will match a 2667 V2 in multi-threaded and flat out spank it in single-threaded performance. And that's first-gen Ryzen. Um, and a 1600X and a B350 motherboard can be had less than 140 bucks. So if you live in a part of the world where you can't find used deals on, on Ryzen parts, uh, you know, that's that's definitely a thing. Although check AliExpress for Gen 1 Ryzen stuff. Uh, they often have 1700Xs for uh, right around 100 bucks, And then try to find yourself a B350 motherboard. Now, memory is going to be more expensive, but it's also twice as fast. So... 2667V2, fastest single-threaded chip ever made for the platform. You can get it for less than 100 bucks now. Uh, beyond that... Outside of server work, it's starting to lose its luster. So for workstation stuff, I think it's still fine, but for for gaming, for high-end application, probably look somewhere else. I gotta pour my second drink real quick. Go for it. <clears throat> not that it's it's not fanfare worthy by any means. I don't know why I waited, but look how dark that got. It's looking pretty good. You can smell the campfire smoke from here, baby. Oh, yeah. But uh, this isn't fanfare worthy, and I hate to take up camera time, but uh, got a Sam Adams Boston Lager. It's allowed. Um, oh, hey, let me hold that bad boy there up. There you go. See that? Mm, delicious, delicious, delicious. When I was in Boston, pretty much all I did was drink different Sam Adams beers constantly, and they were all fantastic. But the Boston Lager, as far as a solid, you know, domestic beer, it's... Um, Probably one of my favorites. Holds up. Drinkable. Flavorful. I really like their Oktoberfest, but I'll take the Boston Lager any day. Mm. I had a Freem hazy IPA I was going to drink, but... <clears throat> that is hopefully one very good cup of tea. Michael Stevens says, all those who bet Rainier pay up. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to go two craft beers today, but I uh, had some drinks before the show, so I didn't want to go too, super overboard. Remember, he still has to work tomorrow. Mm -hmm. For me. Yeah, sounds like there's going to be some videos. So, <laughs> you know, unless you guys want Jeff to lose his, his streak, That's right. I keep my game up. That's right. Uh, I've been pushing the X58Z on for too long. I think it's finally time to upgrade. Yeah, the 
the X58 is the platform that people just don't want to let go of. And I'll say this. It was before its time. Triple channel memory held up remarkably well as far as memory bandwidth and overclockability goes. I mean, you could get 1866 and 2133 out of the later generation enthusiast boards on that platform. Um, when you start talking the the Xeons uh, with the X5650, which was six core 12 thread at 2.66 gigahertz with a turbo to 33, um, up to the X5690, which was a 3.46 base clock. Um, and then while they didn't have an unlocked multiplier, you could overclock the uh, the base clock frequency of that from 100 megahertz upwards of like 125, 130 megahertz, which is a one-to-one percentage-wise overclock of the CPU. So it was not unrealistic to hit 4.2, 4.4 on six cores, 12 threads in a time when people are this is, you know, late 2010, early 2011, when people are clamoring for, you know, the Sandy Bridge 2600K and or 2700K and, and things like that. Fine chips, nothing wrong with them. But man, I'll put this on Intel. It took them four or five more generations to outgrow it. And even then, they didn't outgrow it by much. Like, the difference between Skylake and, and an overclocked X58 comes down to power efficiency and not much else but but it's dead and you should upgrade <laughs> and i'm about ready to say that about x79 i know uh i know it's kind of blasphemous especially among my fans with my uh, my love of those boards and that platform but uh man there's just too much good out there to to keep spending money on products like that there's better deals out there. We did miss a super chat from Novella Hub, longtime fan. He says, are you saying that Apple is just like a chiropractor? They both just want to rub your wallet. Mm. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. Why not? Everybody wants to rub your wallet. <laughs> but Apple especially, man. Uh, noob, noob, new two, but I think, whatever, uh, $5. Thank you. <laughs> oh, and thank you. Novella hub, by the way. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Depends on the chiropractor. Some of them do okay work on the spine. So long as they stay away from your chakra and all your tension is in your T4. No, it's not. Yeah. Well, it depends because honestly, sometimes my chakra could reuse some realigning and and my um, median lines get out of sync and they need to be... Were you huffing lavender on the way over? Like, well... <laughs> No. Not to get oogie boogie. <laughs> no, it was white sage. Okay. <laughs> what? Jeez. Anyway. I think I'm an idiot. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no, and my chiropractor, I can only be touched by other uh, by a water sign. Okay, yeah. So he's he he's a cancer, and uh, so there you go. Anyway, I was gonna build that into a bigger joke, but we do have the five dollars. We do have the five dollars super chat. From, from, uh, how come Numa Link isn't a thing anymore? You think AMD would have done something similar with Infinity Fabric? Now, for those who don't know, all the way back in the good old times of two thousand six. 
uh, with Intel's 53 and 5400 uh, Xeons on the 771 socket, uh, there was a thing called shared NUMA, uh, where NUMA nodes weren't a thing. They shared a memory controller and every chip had access to the memory across the entire platform. The reason we'll never see that again is because NUMA, uh, or they linked NUMA as we know it today via the North Bridge, which the North Bridge chip had the memory controller on board. And so there was a single chip on the motherboard that both CPUs communicated to, to access memory. As of X58 Nehalem, Intel moved the memory controller off of the Northbridge chipset onto the CPU package itself. And so now, when you put two CPUs onto a single motherboard, each of them have their own memory controller. Now that did two different things. Number one, it allowed for much, much higher bandwidth and much, much better signal integrity between the CPU and the memory because there's not nearly as many traces going through the motherboard and there's not nearly as much length that the CPU signal has to go through from the CPU to the north bridge to the memory. It literally has a direct path sitting right next to the socket. Number two, it greatly, or I already said greatly increased bandwidth. Number two, it also cut off the second CPU from the first CPU's memory controller. Uh, so where we gained bandwidth and latency in single socket applications, we went the other way when it comes to multi-socket applications. The reason we made that switch is because the advantages of single so socket applications are much, much greater than the disadvantage for multi-socket, especially being that the time was 2008, uh, there wasn't a lot of multi-threaded out there. I mean, the, the best CPUs in 2006 were two cores, four threads, or four cores, four cores, four threads. So there was no such thing as, uh, as a four core, eight threaded Xeon chip. It literally didn't exist. There was a four core, four threaded chip. I had a couple of them, but yeah, that's why. The advantages of single core outweighed the disadvantages of multi-core. And I doubt we'll ever go back. Perfect. The super chats keep coming in. Yes. Harlan let me clear. The school that formulized, formalized Cairo is just down the road. Well, isn't that something? I mean, what do you think? You should go down there and ask them if they think the comparison to Apple is appropriate. Yeah. Tune in next week and let us know. Uh, Denvera, once again, another $5. My man, I remember when wanting more than four cores meant you needed to drop from LGA 771 to PGA 604 for Xeon 7000 series. Uh, no, because 771 Xeons, you could get four core chips and you could get multi-socket boards. Uh, I... I've had a couple 771 dual socket boards. Um, I had a couple, uh, I still have a 604 socket board with two core four thread Xeons on it. Um, so I was running four cores, eight threads before it was cool. Like I had that board in 2007. <laughs> right? You're crazy. Right? Um, 
yeah so uh yeah no 771 was an improvement over 604 in every way shape and form there was no no reason to stay on 604 or to move back to 604 rather but jeff he means on a single oh. socket to get more than four cores uh I think you're right in the fact that 604 did later on feature some higher core count, and I'm talking like six and eight core variants, but you needed very specific motherboards with very specific Northbridge chipsets in able to use them, and they were uh, kind of like HP Moonshot, where it was a lot of cores, or, or Xeon Phi, where, yeah, there's a crap ton of cores, but they're all super slow. Um, if I remember right, some of the higher end 604s, like the eight core might've been like a 1.1 gigahertz. And this is at a time when like 1.8 was still considered a little slow. And 3.0, 3.06 was pretty standard for Xeons of that day. So yeah, Excellent. I, I'm remembering a little differently than you. I don't know which one of us is right. Okay. All right. Well, we've got a little break here, Jeff. I want to talk about something real quick. Yes, please. I got to talk about this magazine. Okay. It's an old, well, ink it's not and old. Paper. It is ink and paper. Wow. They have digital issues as well. But uh, I stumbled across this magazine um, a few weeks ago. And I don't know. I think some people here might be into it. They do have digital copies but they have print copies as well and i thought it was pretty cool to be able to hold a well-constructed print magazine in my hands to read about games and like i've been really into games writing lately um i've been really into seeing how people are are, are putting their opinions out there and and sharing news and things like this and these guys uh put together this this uh, magazine called from gamers and you know i don't know it's uh, it's pretty cool. This is issue number two, and all of the art in these books is generally uh, commissioned by, you know, indie artists. All of the pieces in here are commissioned from, um, you know, freelance writers and stuff like that. And you can see that it's pretty well put together. It's uh, got pretty good thick stock paper, and it sounds like I'm totally shilling for it, and that's because I am because it's it, it, it's a great magazine and i'm they uh they do kickstarter campaigns and stuff for for each issue i think gosh hopefully i didn't put my foot in my mouth there but you can go to <laughs> fromgamers.net and you can kind of see uh what they're working with but like this is kind of an interesting article and you can see how it's put together it kind of looks like an old crt it's an article about old point and click adventures and the advancement of point and click adventures yeah, throughout the ages king's quest harry whodunit yeah, here's uh, you know, then we got Grim Fandango, we got Sam and Max Save the World. Yeah. It's just the the evolution of some of these old games throughout the ages. Um they've got uh th this uh, big piece here on 8-bit adventures 2, um kind of talking about uh, story-driven JRPGs and things like that. You've got this beautiful I'm going to hold this up cuz I I don't know, like some of this art is legit here. Like you've got this beautiful sort of um nice. it's not the centerpiece but a uh, story about Mario 64 mm -hmm. uh, with some beautiful commissioned art. You've got like a 
three or four page story about uh, Elden Ring. Uh, and this is kind of topical because, you know, I didn't know that they were coming out with uh, the Grand Theft Auto remastered, but uh, they did a whole story on 20 years after Grand Theft Auto 3 that was really well written. Anyway, the whole point being, um, I like holding things in my hands. I go to the bookstore, I buy local zines, I buy books. Um, and sometimes I buy magazines if I know that they are not, um, you know, crappy and from gamers is pretty cool. And, you know, the print edition, it is a little spendy, but you can get the digital edition for five bucks, which I think is like a pretty good deal for it's cool stuff bad. like this. Um, the print editions, uh, 15 bucks, which again, I think it's, I think it's a little much, but sometimes, um, I swear, I look at their website and it's like, did I make this up about their Kickstarter <laughs> campaigns? No idea. But you can kind of follow along and see some of the stuff that they're they're doing there. Um, it's kind of cool. Uh, I I mean, I haven't been for a long time, but back in the day, I was a huge magazine guy. Um, right. You know, PlayStation Magazine, Maximum PC. He PC was Gamer. so good at it that I pulled out an old PC Gamer last time I was on the show a month ago. And... I said, look, guys, there's a Morrowind article in here. And he he guessed the page. And I opened it up just to see. And he was he was dead on. And it was spooky and also really upsetting. What can I say? But legendary at the same time. <laughs> can I say? I'm a magazine guy. Um, and it's it's cool to see a new one trying to get a foothold it, it really is yeah well and that's what's cool is just just seeing how many people are involved with it and i think it's a lot of freelance writers and stuff like that mm -hmm. um but i went through the whole thing and you know it, it, i i think this this one was like God, i don't know i don't want to guess I'd be wrong it's 52 pages long um and i think like ultimately there's a little less information packed in there packed in there than there would be for like say your standard issue game informer or something right, like that right. like game informer has these thin stock pages just jam-packed full of stuff this isn't that but this is real well-written stuff the art's very well produced it's a well-produced magazine i was super stoked to get that in the mail and i'm definitely looking to get an issue three i don't know i just wanted to put that out there to you guys because you know um i know that uh some of you guys are into that type of stuff. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, check it awesome. out. Check out from gamers.net from gamers.net. Cool. Uh, we did get another super chat, uh, from noob, new tube. Uh, I meant SGI's version of Numa link in particular as a network standard. Imagine running one installation of Linux across four PCs, for instance. Uh, the reason that went away is the advent of high availability cluster failover. Uh, so you're thinking of literally multiple instances of hardware running a single instance of an operating system. What they've done with software is run services across multiple instances of hardware instead and multiple instances of software that's often replicated in real time or based off SAN or, or some other technology. Um, and in fact, TrueNAS, their claim to fame, uh, or IX Systems, rather, the, the parent company of TrueNAS, uh, their claim to fame is their zero failover uh, multi-node servers, uh, where you get two nodes in a single uh, one or two, or I think they're two U packages, um, two U or larger, 
but they have literally identical dual Xeon systems on board and they will fail over at less than a moment's notice from one to the other if there's a problem with the primary system. Um, and so instances like that, like it never needs to shut down and your OS just never even notices. Uh, and they, they do some some pretty impressive stuff with uh, with both hardware and software as far as that goes. Um, but the the reason we don't do that anymore is because we've moved on to a broader networking system of shared storage and faster faster interface speeds for that network storage. I mean, you look at data centers, they've got multi-terabit connections uh, even within a, a rack, let alone going outside to other racks. Uh, so the the latency that it used to be just isn't there to to justify the engineering that goes into making sure a single drive can communicate with four machines at the same time. And the software required to go behind that anyway. Why not just put it into generalized network and generalized single system and then be able to fail over from one to the other or distribute load. So it, it's all, you're trying to solve the same problem. There's just a newer way of solving the problem now. Exactly. I couldn't have said it better myself, <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, we do have a couple other stories to get to. Uh, like I said, I told you we would spend an hour on the Apple story. And here it is, 9.30, yeah. we're finally getting to the next story. I mean, we spend quite a bit of time on Super Chats and other stuff, but you are right. We spent 20 minutes on, on other stuff, but here we are, 9.30, getting to the next story. It's true. So. I, th I think that we could afford to go to, to, to the Super Chats and some things like that because the points that we made were so sharp, so mm. poignant, so accurate and indisputable that, eh, it's time to move on. I mean, this is this is. What can we say? We were on our game tonight, right? Exactly. Uh, Other world computing, OWC. Uh, they they make their money being a. <laughs> Speaking of right to repair, uh, <laughs> uh, of making third party components that uh, are about as close to Apple certified as you can get, and and uh, they used to make their their bread and butter selling uh, SSDs and memory that was specifically engineered for Apple. Well, more they just like said, it works. Um, and they charged a slight premium to do so. Uh, Naturally. They, they put their own Apple tax into there. But but they've always made great equipment. I've had a number of, of OWC drives. In fact, that 2008 MacBook Air that I upgraded, I upgraded with a 120 gigabyte OWC SSD that was made specifically for the MacBook Air. Now it was an off-the-shelf 1.8 inch uh, zero and four, or yeah, it was a ZIF SSD, which is a neither here nor there. <laughs> uh, anyway, OWC is in the news because they are debuting what they are calling the world's fastest high-capacity SSD. This is a single-slot PCI Express X16 drive, um, or to put it more accurately, drive holder drive sled um so single pci express uh x16 interface which holds not two not four but eight nvme m.2 ssds with an integrated raid controller on the board 
What that means is a couple of things. Number one, you don't have to buy an Intel RAID key or do any weird things in software. This will work right out of the box with Threadripper systems because Threadripper doesn't have any semblance of onboard RAID uh, on any motherboard that they sell, uh, Threadripper or Epic. Um, and number two, uh, you don't have to have uh, PCI Express bifurcation supported on your motherboard because this has a built-in controller it parses the data before it hits the motherboard, which means your motherboard doesn't have to see all the drives individually. The PLX is built in to this card. Um, now calling it the world's fastest single SSD is a, a bit of a non sequitur because this is just a collection of, it's a fancy way of putting eight SSDs onto a single height PCI Express card. But the capacities that you can now cram into that, let's see, eight terabytes on an SSD times eight drives. Hey, look, we can get a 64 terabyte PCI Express NVMe drive with a transfer speed just shy of 26,000 megabytes per second. Or as OWC claims, enough to stream 16 8K444 raw streams simultaneously. So what do you think, Jeff? You want to try one of these out? Who boy, do I. <laughs> Look, it's only $13,000 for the uh, six terabyte model here. You can get the $800. That's just the empty uh, sled, like you were saying. Yeah, 800 for the sled, which will hold up to eight uh, M.2 drives in. So if you wanted to source your own drives and put them onto the carrier, you can do that for $7.99. And I know a lot of people are going, that's insane. I can put drives onto, you can't do it with RAID and PLX and, and put eight of them onto a single board. Sorry, that doesn't exist. That's why OWC is marketing as the world's largest SSD and the world's fastest SSD is they took all the hard work out of it. You need nothing but a PCI Express lot to put it in. So I like the, I like the way you phrase it. They took the hard work out. Right. Everything that your motherboard might have needed to do, like configure the RAID and take care of addressing the drives individually on their own PCI Express lanes, that does this, which means it's worth $800. Um, until someone else comes out with it for $499, which they probably will. But like I said, OWC usually has a little Apple tax built into it. Uh, but this will work on macOS, Windows, or Linux, has uh, RAID software for all three platforms, and it will run right out of the box with all three of them. Uh, but yeah, uh, this goes from $799 for the bare model. Uh, you can get it as little as two terabytes for $1,300. I shudder to think, God, are they really using 256 gig MDME drives times eight to, to eke that out? or are they like losing bandwidth? They, they really don't say. Because to get 26,000 megabytes per second, you yeah. need to saturate all eight lanes. So. so that's why you buy the 64 terabyte model. I mean, don't pinch pennies. You want the fastest, mm -hmm. get the fastest, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, honestly, I could live with 32 terabytes. I don't need the 64, but the 32, I mean, I, I, I still gotta work. So I don't know. Look, it's not even half the price. Okay, you're getting a discount for 64. <laughs> you know what? If you're gonna spend the eight thousand, you might as well just go thirteen. Right. Right. Why not? Why not? You're getting ripped off if you're not, Jeff. Right. Now, obviously, this is not meant for the average consumer. There's probably cheaper ways to do this uh, with with other storage methods. 
But if you needed it as fast as humanly possible in literally as slim of a form factor as you can get it, remember, this is only a single height PCI Express slot. Take that, graphics card manufacturers. Uh, you know, you pay for what you get. And I think what you're getting here is actually quite a lot. So you heard it here. That's right. Uh, Andrew says Optane Dims. Yeah, I'm I'm still waiting on on some samples for those. If anyone has any Intel hookups and and wants to, I have an Ice Lake server in my garage right now, and it has four extra Dim slots in it, presumably for Optane Dims. Uh, boy, I would really like like. I'm not picky. Like I'll I'll take, you know, four five hundred twelve gig dims. Like, just give me two terabytes of, of Optane dim storage. Yeah. Come on, guys, just give it to them already. Uh, and yeah, uh, the Ziff SSD was a one point eight inch size. I did know that, and I was trying to explain the ribbon cable connection because there's there's Ziff and Lif. There are two different formats. There's zero insertion insertion force and low in for insertion force, and they both had different interfaces and different cable types. But they were basically a ribbon cable which carried both the data and power on on the single ribbon. Um, and these were PETA drives, not even SATA. Uh, so not even say to one level of, of performance. Like we're talking the mechanical drive got like 40 megabytes per second, uh, inside of that. I think the SSD got like 120 or 160 megabytes per second, which was still mind blowingly fast in a laptop in 2008 to tell you how far we've come in just a little over a decade. Oh, this tea is wonderful. Isn't it though? So good. It's my favorite tea. You used to be able to go to the grocery store mm -hmm. and you would go and find your twinings section of the tea aisle and you could buy it. And I used to go and clear out the grocery store, buy a couple boxes of it. They don't carry it anymore. You have to get it online. I had to order this online too. How so. much did that tin cost you? It wasn't that bad. Uh, you know what? I can look it up since I've got a hot second. Yeah, I mean, not to derail the show, but <laughs> ah, some hot tea talk. Some hot tea talk here on Craft Computing. Welcome to hot tea talk. Welcome to hot tea talking heads. <laughs> uh, that tea ran me seven bucks for that tin. How many ounces is that? Uh, it is three ounce. Oh. So not not bad at all. No, that's actually a pretty good price. Yeah, I usually make it. I usually make it about twelve ounces at a time. So usually two to three teaspoons. Like it's, and I and I usually do it heavy. So. Gotcha. Perfect. That sounds good. Someone said, post a link in the chat for the tea. I can do that. Ooh. Novella Hub looking out. I can do that. Link is now in the chat. Go get yourself some Lapsang Sochong and drink like Picard wanted to drink. Uh, I need to start carrying these mugs in my, my store. You know what? Uh, uh, Rhett? We need these. With your craft computing logo just right emblazoned on the side? Yep. Maybe even a little embossment. Like, 
I, like have it, I'm fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm I'm wondering about color options because the mug you have in your hand mm-hmm. is not gonna look good with the no craft logo. No. Uh I believe you can get this in black, and they have quite a few other colors. Like I can give you a link to who makes this. I mean, maybe you need to email that to me. Maybe we need to talk about that. Some some exclusive craft computing Raptogeno mugs. There you Anyone on board for that? <laughs> yeah, if we can get somebody in chat to say that they would buy that, then I'll go ahead and I'll put the work in because Jeff's paying me for this, guys. <laughs> and if we sell zero units, then by God, <laughs> we're all going to look silly here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, you go to craftcomputing.store, you can see some of the merch that we have. We're working on getting more. Yep. Including these sweet, sweet mugs that match Jeff's shirt. Didn't even realize that I'm dressed to match. It's pretty impressive how much it matches on my screen. <laughs> it really is. I'm looking at mine going. Skull has one in pearl black. I, I looked at the black, but I I, I wanted the, the deep blue. Skull, what do you think though? Like looking at Jeff's Says he'd buy another regrets. He'd buy another. Okay. Jeremy would buy it. All right. All right, Jeremy, that's all I need. Mystery tech knowledge. Okay. By the way, right. it's a 16-ounce it's mug. It does come with a travel lid um, that does lock in the grooves right here. So it, it's actually you a know, pretty nice mug. You know, I, I, I am going to say this, though. Yeah. In, 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 the, in my own defense, okay, I'll go ahead and put this in. But y'all gotta y'all gotta remind Jeff now and again to take some photos of our current <laughs> merchandise. Yes. So that we can update our merch store yeah. with nice photographs. I have the merch. I just haven't taken photos. <laughs> I imagine it's going to become a lot harder to take photos of things shortly for you. So probably. Not that you have to do it right now. Yep. I don't know if the fans of Talking Heads are ready for a 30, uh, 20 minute f- photo shoot here, but um, food for thought. Food for thought. Take my money. Everybody's on board with this, by the way. So I guess we're going to do it. Yeah. I, I think we need to find out a way to do that. I mean, I, I don't have the resources of a Linus Tech Tips, but, you know, I, I think we could crank out some coffee mugs. We have something better than Linus Tech Tips. Okay. We have craft computing fans over here that are here at this live show. Okay. Uh, you guys rock. What else can you say? You guys rock. The, the rarest commodity of all. It will never fit in any vehicle cup holder. Um, no. My dad had a coffee mug that was like that. He got it in Guatemala or somewhere in Central America. Only ever drank coffee out of a mug that was that shape. Mm-hmm. He never tried to put it into the cup holder he would drive around with his cup anytime he had to set it down he'd put it on the dashboard <laughs> i always think about that it just makes me laugh yep uh what are you gonna do yep you don't need cup holders here every week dude everybody's freaking roll calling here yeah is what it is we're doing it you guys have never done a Raid Shadow Legends ad. That counts for something. Well, look, Rev, I hate to tell you, I tried real hard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
They're just so cheap. They won't pay our rates, those uh, jerks. No, it's actually quite the opposite. It's, yeah. It's how much money could I get from them? <laughs> the answer is a lot. Um, <coughs> like that answer is high. They they pay some of the best rates in the industry, which is why you see them everywhere. Uh, like I said, they don't pay our rates. Right. <laughs> they pay some of the best in the industry, but we need more. <laughs> to, to do a Raid Shadow Edgeman's line. I'd, yeah. Uh, I, I did in one video do uh do an intro that said uh today's video is brought to you by everyone's favorite uh game raid it's not a backup and i actually thought about putting in a one and a half second like like just one of the screen one of the little yeah. quick screen grabs from from their trailer and i went no because if i do that people will click off if if even the imagery shows up they will immediately click off and unsubscribe do, do people hate it that much yes like uh, Linus had to address it on on a WAN show oh. one time because of the outrage of people that he did a Raid Shadow Legends ad in an LTT video. It was ridiculous. Uh, raid ad for that 13,000 SSD. I will say we can't get 13,000 out of them, but the 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 $4,000 one may not be out of the question. Somewhere between four and eight. Like, could I do two Raid Shadow Legends ads to get 32 terabytes of SSD. Like, would you guys be offended? Okay. Because at the end we're, of the day, I still have a business to run here. We're gonna we're gonna need like a full pressure fan campaign. Everybody being like, this guys. backup server brought to you by. <laughs> actually, I was looking at. I'm gonna show you guys something. I'm gonna show you guys something. Okay, it's it's gonna be a little hokey because I don't have a screen capture set up proper for this, but but I want you to look at something here. Um, I collapse this side window. Hold on. I'm trying to get a view that. There we go. All right. Let me show you guys something. This is my backup server right now. Uh, see that red bar? Can anyone <laughs> read the fine print on that? Yeah, that's 61.4 megabytes free out of 46 terabytes. <laughs> Do you like see why a Raid Shadow Jeff. Legends ad may be <coughs> acceptable for this? Like, wouldn't Raid actually be the perfect sponsor for their sponsoring today's backup, which I'm putting a Raid into my backup server with? Like, do you do you think maybe I could get like 12, 18 terabyte drives out of them? Would that be acceptable for a Raid Shadow Legends ad? I'm just know. saying. I don't know. There's not a, a price tag that I wouldn't sell out for, Jeff. So I know you didn't even negotiate your salary. <laughs> what, four beers a week and uh <laughs> <laughs> He think he he thinks he has a great union, but he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well he said I was in charge of the union, so I was like, All right, great. Yeah. Here we go. They all gotta listen to me. Uh, net guy sends over $20. I'm just here for the pampers or cloth diapers. Uh, we do cloth diapers. Uh, we've done cloth diapers since our first. We'll be doing cloth diapers on, on the third. Uh, praying for an uneventful and blessed arrival. Thank you so much, man. I sincerely appreciate that. Uh, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been a rough, like, week 
so far just because it's like, oh, maybe it's... Oh, uh, no, it's not time yet. Uh, it, it's been like, like that. And uh, she's gotten to the state where she's she's not like, like, I'm ready to be done. But if it happened today, I'd be very happy uh, because that means I'm not pregnant tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> she she's reached yeah. that state of the pregnancy. Uh, she's up literally once an hour in the night. I'm not sleeping very well, uh, and so like I I'm alternating every other night where I'm sleeping one in the living room and one in bed. And because the one if I get one bad night of sleep, which has been the one in bed because I wake up constantly, uh, then I can counteract that with a night of good sleep on the couch. <laughs> I'm sharing way too much personal stuff right now. Uh, yeah, you know, what do you, what else you got going on? I mean, this is a big deal. So what else are people like this very well could be the reason they don't have a show next week Yeah, or something, you know what I mean? So yeah, it's right. Is what it is. Yeah. Rhett's been on standby for, for the last week and a half for like, you might have to, to host the next episode. Um, so, and you guys remember how smoothly it went last time. Yeah, I had to sign in and go like, what the crap, guys? You can't even... You're managing four FPS in my average, in my absence? What can I say? <sighs> Trying to get that 4K stream going. I have been negotiating mentally in my own mind a significant home network upgrade. Um, you know, now that I own, now that I'm, I'm planning on being here for a while, I think it's it might be time that uh i started dropping some cable and actually getting a little bit more interested in something here so we'll see what happens you know i got i got my poor man's cable running everywhere but i'm 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 looking at maybe maybe upgrading to a much better switch and actually trying to make all my cable runs pretty and not just a complete disaster so we'll see been thinking about how I would do it. My house is too big, so that's a big problem. Can you do a whole video bashing Raid as a backup and have it sponsored by Raid Shadow Legend? Like, there's there's so many tie-ins here, it's not even funny. Um, so, the the thing that I that I will never do with ads is I will never tell you that I've been using this service for three weeks now when I haven't actually been using the service for three weeks. I can't stomach those ads because I I know darn well, I'm, I'm speaking out of turn here, but I know darn well Linus didn't sit in his house for two weeks playing Raid Shadow Legends, getting his character up to level 23. Like, bullshit did that happen. Uh, maybe it did, but it probably didn't. Um, and I've been using this for three weeks now. I... I'll say it's the number one mobile game because it probably is. I'll say that millions of people play it because they probably do. If they can show me numbers that back it up, I'll 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 read their their ad. But what I won't say is that I play this every day. What I will say is you can join in now and you can ba 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 ba, whatever their their line to get you to sign up is. I I approach all of my advertisements that way. See, we can do the ultimate shill thing, where That's why my Manscaped ads are so accurate. Right. <laughs> Damn it, Jeff. Oh, God. <laughs> Cleanest tomatoes on the block. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, if you with the Rage Shadow Legends, if you want to do the ultimate shill, right, you could be like, 
you know, you're like, yeah, it's the number one mobile game on the market. And do I play it every day? No, but Rhett certainly does because I paid him to. <laughs> and then just cut to me playing Raid Shadow Legends, looking super tired, miserable. I hate life, but like I have to pay my bills. So I'm playing it, you know? You can't get more honest than that. Right. So. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm always honest in my advertisements. It's one of the things I always strive to be. Um, am I likely to enjoy Rage Out of Legends? No, but I know there's people who do. Uh, I have friends who play Rage Out of Legends. I do. Do you? Yeah, I actually do. I legit do. I, I legit have friends who still try to get me to play Clash of Clans with them. Like, I have mobile gaming friends. That's all they game. And that's fine. There are people out there like that. And that's what they market to. And it's okay. I really think it's just... It, it must just be Americans that aren't really into mobile gaming. Yeah. Because everywhere else I've gone, people are mobile gaming everywhere. Yeah. Because you're not driving to get where you're going in a lot of the places I've been. You're like on a bus or a train or something. Mm -hmm. So you're mobile gaming. I have almost never enjoyed a mobile game. Like Angry Birds for like a few moments and then you get it and you're like, all right, cool. Good for them. Jeff, you've already done half the ad. Ask them for money. Yeah, at this point, like we have the tie-ins. Like it wouldn't be that difficult of a it's, stretch. It's strong. Look, I'll send some emails. Send some emails. You know what? My backup server is getting full. Send the emails. Well, let's Screw make it happen. It. Let's make it happen. Anything for an extra. And, you know, we got we to gotta get off red there. We can't have 68 megabytes left. Isn't that pathetic? Like, uh, and because of my retention policy, it takes me like two to three weeks to free up any of those zeros and ones. So I'm out of space right now. Uh, and, and I knew this time was coming for quite a while. But I'm legit out of space. That's well, my backup server. I've still got you know it's available on my others, but my craft computing server or the 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 data share for that is 32 terabytes. Uh, we only have 12 and a half free. That goes a lot faster than you think it does, especially when I'm producing the two videos per week that I want to do. Yeah. And my other shares, uh, I think I have. It's right around 100 terabytes of potential storage. I think I'm using 55 of it right now. And so if you want to back it up, you need at least 55 terabytes of backup, probably more. And I probably need more main storage too. If I can't get a company to send me drives, which no one will return my phone calls, Rage Shadow Legends. Done deal. Easy. See, Jason Come. Jason says he was playing Clash of Clans up to a few weeks ago. Yeah, what was a few weeks ago? He like looks back, he's like, oh, sh uh, shoot, it's been my, six years. My wife is addicted to this slots <laughs> mobile game. Her and her whole family play it. Um, and they will pay money to get more rolls in a day. 
so they can, you know, have so many billions of dollars in, in fake cash. Like, I know mobile gamers. It's okay. Uh, do I need to see if I can still get uh, the 12 terabyte Dell drives? I don't remember which ones those were, but maybe? Uh, although I did just buy some of these guys. <laughs> That's in an upcoming video, so that'll be fun. <laughs> uh, but I don't know where those are going yet. I think those are actually going to go into production and and whatnot. But maybe those will go into backup. But I don't know. Not if I can help it. I'll put those somewhere else. Ah. Uh, anyway, we do have like two more stories to get to. Uh, if we want to try, technically just one. Um. I, I, Wait, you I, don't want to do the beer story? I even cut out the beer story. Yeah. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah. It's still in the notes, but I didn't put it on the, the YouTube. Oh, yeah. It's a bad one. It's not a good one. Yeah. Uh, sorry, John. It was the only one. I get it, but it was the only one. Uh, yeah. HTC uh, is launching a new all-in-one headset that might actually make it to market. So not intended just solely for Eastern markets and uh, and corporations. But the uh, HTC Vive Focus 3 uh, will come with a larger play area uh, and Wi-Fi 6E built into it, uh, which should enable for full wireless play right out of the box, which is pretty cool. Now, I will say it's boasting some impressive features. Um, as well as it is a more premium headset than something like the Oculus Quest, uh, which uh, while definitely good enough for an entry-level headset is a little restrictive in field of view at times, does have some issues with, with some of its inside-out tracking. Um, so hopefully uh, Oculus's next venture with, uh, with their, their rumored headset, which we talked about just a couple of weeks ago, uh, we'll, we'll improve on those. The Vibe gives you a more premium headset, wider field of view, better resolution, uh, better overall specs. But at the same time, it's still kind of halfway between what I consider to be a mobile headset and a tethered PC-only headset. Because while you do have some standalone features and playability on this, there's no inside-out tracking for your controllers. They still rely on HTC Vive base stations, lighthouses, a la Steam VR. Uh, while it's a wider field of view and, and it's compatible with Steam VR, your games library is much, much smaller because you can't play games on the go because you don't have controllers. So it's, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what is behind HTC and the Focus 3. Like, did they do any market testing? Did they find out what people are wanting? Because what people are wanting is the Oculus Quest, just a better one. And and I don't think they delivered it here. Maybe someday. The Wi-Fi 6E is pretty cool. I mean, it's Y-Gig. It's, it's gigabit uh, Wi-Fi. So the more bandwidth you can push down to the headset, the better resolution you can get, the lower the latency, the higher the frame rate. But... If I'm still having to screw lighthouses into my walls, I'm a little disappointed. 
Well, you can get the quest too. Just got to join the metaverse, Jeff. Yep. Well, I have a quest too. You don't have to. You just have to give them an extra $500 if you don't want to join the metaverse. And then you have to sideload everything, which makes you a filthy pirate anyway. Mm. Not that every game that you sideload is a filthy pirate, but if you want the games that are actually published and worth anything other than like Doom 3 BFG, which is a fine game. It's a fine fan port. So it sounds like you have to. You kind of have to, right. Uh, I use my Oculus Quest pretty much with virtual desktop, uh, streaming from my PC, wire-free, just in CMVR. That's how I play. That's pretty cool. Yep. Inside-out tracking is the only way to go. That's why I don't play my Vive or my Pimax anymore. They're fantastic headsets. They're infinitely more comfortable than the Quest. Uh, they're They're heavier, but they're better resolution, better field of view, especially the Pimax. Uh, I don't play them because graphics aren't everything. Comfort yeah. and immersion yeah. are are more important and not tripping on the cable, not having to be 100% present <laughs> of where I'm at in my room lets me let go and be somewhere else. And when you're playing a game like Blade and Sorcery or Superhot or Arizona Sunshine or heck, even Rick and Morty VR, you want to be in that environment. You don't want to be constantly aware that of what your orientation is because I might have to step over a cord right here. It lets you be immersed, even though visually it's less immersive. Well, yeah, for sure. Uh, my girls want to quest three. So many troubles with managing the headset on their head. Uh, let me drop you a link to the VR strap that I bought that fits me all the way down to my eight-year-old daughter. Uh, it's going to take me a second to look it up. <laughs> so if we have another question, we can probably get at least one more in. Uh, but it's better than the Elite Strap in that it's a little bit more adjustable and it doesn't have the same weak mounting points, so it's probably not going to snap on you, at least as easily as the Elite Strap does. Um, let me look it up. Let me look it up. There it is. All right. So check the chat. Down in chat. Here you go. This is the strap that I bought. It's $31 on Amazon. It is comfortable as heck. It mounts up super easy. It's very adjustable. Uh, it balances the weight by putting a lot of it on the back of your head. I also bought some very small uh, battery packs that I can Velcro to the back of it with a little USB-C cable plug into the side, double your battery life, and then have them just ready, hot swappable, ready to go. Um, so that's how I play. And in fact, let me uh, let me see if I can pull up that battery pack because I bought some really tiny batteries that I was really happy with. I know, riveting stuff. Here we go. These guys. No, it's good stuff. People want to look into this. These guys here. So second link is the batteries. This is what I use. Uh, they are, they come in a three pack. They're 22 bucks. They're 5,000 milliamp and they'll give you on average about 90 minutes of playtime uh, per battery. So when you consider that some of the more intensive games, you'll only get 90 
minutes on the built-in battery on the quest uh and the less intensive ones you'll get uh you get up to two and a half to three hours but i'll get easily 90 minutes of streaming vr time uh on my uh from steam vr with one of these battery packs mad dog sends over a 25 dollar super mad chat dog Mogdog, Mogdog, excuse me. Mogdog sends over a $25 super chat to close out the show. Was going to ask for tech support, but nuts to that. Keep up the good work, guys. One of the best tech channels on YouTube. Thank you so much, Mog. I'm a Mog, half man, half dog. (laughs) I'm my own best friend. And with that, thank you guys so much for watching episode 210 of Talking Heads right here on Craft Computing. Join us every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Pacific time for the latest in beer and tech news. Follow me on Twitter at Craft Computing to keep up with daily shenanigans. Uh, follow Rhett at Rhett is Awesome or at Game Devs Quest on Twitter. Uh, anything to plug uh, on the way out? Uh, not too much, although I am very pleased to say that uh, I, I recently sold an article to USA Today. Mm. So I linked that in our Discord. If you're there for $1 a month, you can go yes. ahead and find that in the Holodeck channel. Otherwise, go to my Twitter, which Jeff just said, at Rhett is awesome. It's buried just a little bit down in my tweets because I got a lot of t- to tweet about. Um, but yeah, I got to, got an opportunity to write about Counter-Strike Global Offensive and seniors playing esports competitions go check it out that's freaking awesome yeah uh thank you all so much for watching check us out in the podcast form over on anchor.fm or wherever your favorite podcasts are found that's we're on spotify we're on itunes we're on google podcasts we're on like literally everything if there's a podcast platform that exists i am on it uh other than that Thank you so much for watching, and we will see you next Wednesday. Maybe. Cheers. Maybe for me. It's a maybe for me. But it's not up to me. So (laughs) see you guys.